Lord God, we thank you so much for your love that you speak to us today, that you remind us our life should be placed in your hands, that we should build our life on you and you are a sure foundation, that you promise to uphold us no matter what the storm would be. And so God, we pray in this time we would hear your voice clearly, that our hearts would be, be illuminated to your love and your embrace would be felt by all who are here. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. And all God's people say, amen. amen. Please have a seat. Welcome. Such a good Sunday. Friends, neighbors, countrymen. Is that cool? Is that like the new thing to say? But it feels like it. we're friends and it's like a family reunion, but like one you want to go to, you know? <laughs> like, which is crazy, you know? So uh, today we are starting the series called Crush, Reaching the Unseen. And it's this incredible uh, movement, I believe, that is starting with just a, one mission experiment idea that could ripple forward and have a huge impact in the world. And the idea is that there are unseen people in our midst and that God is realigning, changing our attention, directing our ways so that we are interacting with those people who are unseen, who are, who are not being connected with. And so this is the beginning, and, and the place that it comes from is from Scripture itself, from Jesus' teachings. And so we're going to start with this incredible story of Jesus walking through Jericho. Now, last week we looked at Jesus meeting Zacchaeus, the tax collector that nobody wanted to have anything to do with, talking to Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus changes everything about his life. It, his whole world turns upside down because Jesus says, I'm going to spend time at the table with you, and I'm going to be your friend. Nobody wanted him to do that, but he did it. And so today we're going to find, study the story that happened right before that when, when Jesus is walking through Jericho and he meets another person. And so it's in uh, Luke chapter 18, uh, verse 1 through 9. And it's these words. As Je I'm sorry, chapter 18, verse 35. As Jesus came to Jericho, a certain blind man was sitting beside the road begging. And when the man heard the crowd passing by, he asked, what's happening? And they told him, Jesus the Nazarene is passing by. Now, what an amazing image that this man is sitting beside the road. And we know that Roman roads were actually the big catalyst for the transformation of economies and for the building of an empire. So this beggar, this poor blind beggar is sitting beside the road because he has no system of support, no family to take care of him. The community is not doing what they should in order to wrap their arms around him in his time of need. And so all he's doing is sitting year after year, his whole entire life, crying out to people uh, who are walking by with wealth, will you please just give me enough so that I can have food for my table? Hey, will you please help me just get through life? My belly's hungry. And so this beautiful image. And, and then you have this moment where, and, well, first of all, I want you to have that clear image of the broken system. There's something really broken when there's so much wealth, right? Traveling right in front of this blind beggar and, and none of it ends up accommodating the needs of this human being, this wonderful child of God. And the second thing is that this blind beggar, he hears something different. He'd always heard people who were coming through town and they were, they were trading. Maybe he heard different languages coming through Jericho to Jerusalem with, the, with all of the things that they were bringing uh, to sell in Jerusalem. Maybe different smells, but now he hears something different. There's a commotion. 
There's an excitement about what's happening. And he asks someone, he says, what's happening? And they say, well, Jesus is coming to town, right? That's a huge announcement, by the way. The blind beggar would have heard about Jesus. I mean, he would have heard whispers about when Jesus was born, that there were angels appeared to the shepherds. And that there were kings when he was about three years old. Kings came from the east, magi, and they came and they found him. And they brought gifts to him in, in the house where he was living with his mother and father. And he would have heard about how Jesus went away to Egypt and went on big adventures that no little boy could ever imagine going on adventures like that. And, kind of, and he came back and, and he actually taught in the temples. He was a little boy and he was teaching the, the professors, the, the, the scholars in the temple. And they were learning from him. He would have heard about how, how Jesus' first miracle when he was at the party and there were, there were like 20 uh, drums or ga- barrels, like wine barrel fulls of wine, and they were gone. The party was, had finished all of them. And his mother said to him, Mary being, you know, who, who Mary is, she said, Jesus, keep the party going. And, she, and so she, he said, okay, and fill all of those barrels with water. And they did. And Jesus, by a miracle, transformed all of them into wine. And not just wine, but like the best wine anybody had ever tasted. They said, who brings out the best wine? The scripture says, who brings out the best wine after all of the guests are already drunk? That's what the scripture says. And then she would have heard about how Jesus had walked on water across to his disciples who were in the midst of a big storm. And and he walked out onto the water and he calmed the storm. After, of course, his disciple walked out to him on the water. And then he would have heard about how she, he met a mad human being, someone who was, who was just wild in his mind. And then Jesus met that person and he was speaking eloquently and, and speaking like a normal person. Or about how he had gone into the house of a centurion where his daughter had died and walked up to the daughter and brought that little girl back to life. Or the time when Jesus was with thousands of people in the middle of the desert and there was no food and all they had was like five loaves of bread and Jesus transformed it into enough of a feast for everybody to eat. And so this blind beggar must have been thinking, Jesus is in town. He was excited. And this is what the scripture says. It's a beautiful story. Uh, It says these words, the blind man shouted. Isn't that a cool image? He just shouted, Jesus, son of David, Show mercy on me. And those leading the procession scolded him, telling him to be quiet. But he shouted even louder, Son of David, show mercy on me. I love that. For those people who are on the outside, if you feel like you're on the outside of life and you feel like the rest of society is saying, you know what, Jesus really shouldn't be a part of your life. Jesus is for those people who are all tidy and buttoned up and they have everything together. Do you realize that the people that were separating the blind beggar from Jesus were the followers of Jesus? Something was really, really broken in the world. And this man, I love what he does. He doesn't let the system, he doesn't let the community, this brokenness, stop him from shouting out to Jesus. He doesn't just shout, he shouts even louder. Maybe if you're in that position you might hear that message today that what you're called to do is to shout out even louder to Jesus. If you feel that you're being separated from Jesus, to shout out, have mercy on me. What a beautiful image of what we're called to do. Refuse, another way to say it is to refuse to remain unseen. 
The scripture says these words. Jesus stopped and he called for the man to be brought to him. And when he was present, Jesus asked, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, isn't it obvious? Right? Why did Jesus ask that? Well, the the blind man says, he said, Lord, I want to see. You know what I think Jesus was doing is challenging the blind man's faith because the blind man could have said, you know what, I would, you seem to have a lot of connections. Could you like set me up with a job? Maybe a place to live would be nice too, but at least just a job or some way that I could get food on my table. I feel like so many times in our life, we, can, we have this opportunity, we stand before God in our life. And God says, what do you want? What is it that you would like? And we kind of approach him with these small requests. When in fact, we could be as bold as this blind man and say, I want to see. I want you, Jesus, to turn the world upside down. I want people to think in a new way. I want you to demonstrate your power right here and right now. How many times in our life do we approach God and we kind of say, you know, I I would just love for you to like, um, you know, help take care of my utility bill. And that happens. I think sometimes we need to ask for the bigger miracle. And what we don't realize is that the bigger miracle, and that's what we were really focused on here at the church is the bigger miracle. A lot of times people say, you know what? I'd really like to be free from cancer. If I was free from cancer, that would be the biggest miracle that could ever happen in our life, in my life. And we say, no, that's not the biggest miracle. The biggest miracle would be you having a awesome relationship with Jesus and knowing his presence and power in your life and knowing that that's not for now, but it's forever for the rest of your life. I was talking to this cool kid in the cafe just a second ago. His name's Aiden, and I didn't know all of his passions in life. And um, he, he just thinks differently. And I said, I said, what do you, what's your favorite subject? He said, math. And I said, oh yeah. So what's like 50 times I know you're listening to this, Aiden. So what's 50 times 22? And he says, 70, he says, uh, he says, 72. Is that 72? I don't know. So he goes, that's easy. That's 72. And I said, I said, oh, wow, you're good. What's 50 minus 100? And he said, negative 50. He said, he said to me, he said, what is three with three arrows to the power of the four? I said, what are you talking about? I've never, it's like, I think he's 10. And he said, I said, did you know that our universe, we don't know the edges of? And he, I, he said, yeah. And I said, did you know there's a multiverse? And he said, oh, that's not just the end of it. There's a gigaverse, an omniverse, a such and such, and such and such. And he said, do you know what three to the power of 10 million times trill? And then I said, what? <laughs> and, then, and then he says, do you realize that there's some number so big that if your mind thought of it, it would descend into a black hole and you'd explode? <laughs> I was like, you need to get up here and preach. That's what we're talking about today. That's what the blind beggar was saying. He was saying, you know what? There's some things in this world that are possible for Jesus. That when you connect with Jesus, the things that you, your mind can't even fathom are possible. The world can be completely transformed. And are we bold enough to stand in front of Jesus and say, I want to see. I want the greatest thing that you can do to happen right here and right now. I love his, I love his strength. And Jesus said to him these words, receive your sight, your faith has healed you. And at once he was able to see. And he began to follow Jesus, praising God. And when all the people saw it, they praised God too. Remember how we're talking about the biggest miracle? That whole city was changed. 
all of those people that were, that were convinced that the ways of Jesus were this way, all the followers of Jesus that said it can only operate in this lane. It has to be tidy and neat and clean. And we don't want the disruption of having to engage in that conversation over there because this is supposed to be a parade for Jesus. And suddenly this, this conversation is different and they see the power of Jesus at work. And this parade is not just a little parade like they had designed, but it's something that they never could have imagined. Can you imagine the joy that, that must have existed in that moment when they were just shouting, what just happened? They must have been running inside of the house and say, you just missed the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> Sorry, you found something more important to do. Um, last year, the staff, uh, we were talking about how we wanted to start thinking outside of the box. And we were having all of our meetings literally in boxes inside of little rooms here that look like boxes. Because we remembered that we're the church that started in the movie theater. And the reason we started in the movie theater is because it was the only place that could have us. No, 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 that's not the reason. Uh, it's because we knew that we needed to do we needed to do what no other church was doing in order to reach the people that no other church was reaching. That just stuck with us. We got to do the things that no other church is doing in order to reach the people that no other church is reaching. And so we go out and we say, where are we going to have this meeting? And so we heard that there was a member of our congregation, Cindy Steinbeck. Her family's owned this farm for years and now they're, they've got great grapes and stuff. And so we said, let's go have a meeting out in the vineyard. We'll just have it at the tables there. And then and then it was great. We had a good dynamic conversation. Afterwards, she said, let me take you for a tour. And she pulls up in this World War II Jeep, right? This is nuts. And by the way, she's, she's trained as a youth pastor, but she never became a youth pastor. She went back to the farm and she gives tours about Jesus and vineyards to everyone who comes there. <laughs> so she gives us this tour. She's telling us all about Jesus and the vine. It's so cool. I encourage you to connect with her. So she pulls up and there's some of the workers there in the field because it's harvest time, right? Like it is now. And they're harvesting the grapes. And you wouldn't believe how fast these guys go. Because the goal is if you can harvest enough grapes, you get paid for as many grapes as you collect within the hour. So that's how it is, by the ton or something like that. And so they're going as fast as they can. And I noticed that they're leaving some grapes behind. And I said, well, what happens with those grapes? Do they come back and collect them? She said, no, 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 they don't have time to collect them. You just leave them. I said, really? And she said, if you want them, you can have them. I said, really? And she said, yeah. There wouldn't be a problem. We thought, what if we got our whole congregation out there and we just collected all those grapes? What would we do with them? What would we do with the leftovers, the unseen little scraps of this world that kind of get overlooked? How could maybe even the unseen scraps of those grapes somehow transition into God's kingdom? That's just how we always think. Like, how could this thing be used for God's kingdom in the world? And so we had this conversation, and this is just a little bit of a, 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 a kind of sneak preview or a little bit of the conversation. I just want you to check out this little video. So we live in wine country. And I've started to ask the question, what does it mean to be the church in wine country? About this time last year, I started thinking about the grapes and what God teaches us about industry and about 
harvesting. And one of the lessons God teaches is that not all of what is produced should be used for profit, but some of it should always be returned to the poor so that they can reap the benefits of the harvest, of the fruit, of the good things of the world. That taking a little bit of the profit, a little bit of the harvest, and turning it and directing it toward the poor could actually change the world in a radical way. This is God's vision for our, our community. This is God's vision for our life. That not just our portion of our life would be dedicated to God, but every industry, every business, everybody would be thinking about how they can contribute and change the world for good. And so this simple idea of taking the extra grapes and collecting them, the ones that, that, that could be used for profit, and instead using them so that they can bring about love and hope and joy to people everywhere. So it's the beginning. So with that little seed in the back of our minds, uh, harvest started to come up again this year. Thought, what if we got some of the people who work in the industry in our congregation into a room and just asked them some questions? What are we going to do with these extra grapes? Because, because there is this opportunity to do something radical for the poor. Listen to what Deuteronomy says in chapter 24, verse 21 through 22. Again, this is Old Testament. This is to Moses and the Israelites. This is God speaking. Again, when you pick the grapes of your vineyard, don't pick them over twice. Let the leftovers go to the immigrants, the orphans, and the widows. Remember how you were a slave in Egypt that's why I am commanding you to do this thing. Do you see what it's saying? It's saying, remember how you were isolated and no one was reaching you and no one was connecting with you? You need to make sure that your systems are adjusted to accommodate those people on the outside, those people who have been enslaved by the injustices of the systems that have been created. Listen to this from Leviticus chapter 19, verse 9 through 10. Also, do not pick your vineyard clean or gather up all the grapes that have fallen there. Leave these items for the poor and the immigrant and the blind beggar. I am the Lord, your God. And so we got these industry professionals together and we said, this is a vision. This is what God's plan for the world was, that the world would operate in this way. How could, how could, could we have our whole congregation go out and pick the extra grapes? The good news for you is they said, no. <laughs> They're like, you're crazy. You have no idea how hard that would be. Your congregation would hate you. <laughs> you have no idea how hard those people in the field work. All right, all right, adjust the plan, adjust the plan, let's figure out what could be done. And so they said, well, all, the weird thing is, and one person said, you know, I, I wasn't going to make a wine this year, and he makes insanely good wine. He said, I could, I, I, if, if anybody wants to do it, we'll do it. And I know a bunch of people who donate barrels and bottles and corks and make this thing happen. But let's ask. And so the two of them went out and they decided to connect with other people in the industry. And, and, um, one woman, I loved what she did. She was writing the letter and she was so nervous about the letter that she read it to her tasting room manager. And she said, um, what do you think of the letter? Tasting room manager says, pretty good. Hold on a second. Walks out of the room and walks back into the room and says, you'll never guess who's in the tasting room. She said, who? She said, it's the farmer that you're writing that letter to. So she walks out into the tasting room and reads the letter and explains that she was asking if they could use the grapes or just the little scraps or what we could use. And the, the farmer said, we do not want to give you the scraps. We want to give you the first fruit. We want to give you the best stuff we got. 
Another person who was in that conversation went and contacted their friend who's a farmer in this congregation. And they said, no, we don't want to give you the scraps either. We want to give you the first fruit of what we have. We want to give you the best. And we'll help you with the harvesting and we'll help you with all of the details and everything's going to come together. Wow, the doors were opening. So then we connected with the session and we started to pray that's the elders of the congregation that you elect and the leaders and say, is this something that, that, that would help communicate to the community that we are still the out-of-the-box church and that we are dedicated to, to being the church and doing the things that no other church is willing to do in order to reach the people that no one else is reaching? And we started to see these people in the industry who felt like maybe their skills and maybe their talents didn't really fit as a part of God's plan in the world. That, you know, maybe they didn't really belong. Just like the blind beggar thought, you know what? The way he was created just didn't fit according to the system. But we looked at the Old Testament and we saw that no, God had a plan for industry. God had a plan for how the community, how the commerce would work in order to be adjusted to accommodate the needs of the poor. So then the session started to think, maybe this could be a movement. What if we made a few inroads here and demonstrated the radical ways in which the, this, the funds that would be generated from this could go to, to making a difference for the poor? But then we started to pray, who were the poor? Who is this? Right? There'll, there'll be a line out the door. Who are the poor? Who are the unseen? Who are the blind beggars of our community that are overlooked? And then we realized there, there were where all of these people and the mind went back to those dangling grapes that were cut by the, the worker. And, and, and the mind went back to that worker, that overlooked worker in the field. The person who maybe, if you asked them, said, hey, what does Highlands Church mean to you? They'd say, what? What's Highlands Church? Have you ever, have you ever had Highlands Church say, I, I love you? Have you ever had a church in this community reach out to you and say, we see you, we care about you, and we recognize that God's systems need to be adjusted, our systems need to be adjusted to God's systems in order to make sure that you know that you are loved and that you matter and that you are cared for. And someday maybe they'll find themselves standing before God and Jesus will be asking them to start thinking about the unimaginable. And in our own lives, we have to ask ourselves, are we perpetuating systems? Are we actually the people who manifest systems that create injustices? Like in, internally. Are there things that even as followers of Jesus that we want everything to be so neat and tidy that we say, you know what, I don't really think that there's room for that kind of work or that kind of person or that kind of idea in the kingdom of God? Or are we willing to fail? To step out in a bold way? To engage in the mess? And to connect with people who are truly feeling on the outside. And those would be epitomized in our community. It wouldn't be true for San Francisco, would it? They don't make wine. Or Hollywood, they make movies. But for our community, we might be able to begin a discussion that would hit the tables and the conversation and the lips and the minds of people all over the world. What if, what if we could transform that conversation about who Paso is into a place that proclaims the gospel on everything. That we use everything as a means to connect with people and to love them. And so it's a simple vision. It's a, it's a small one. The session said, you know what? Uh, we can think of a lot of terrible names for this thing, so we better ask the congregation if they use their brain power to come up with some good ones. They said they reserved, the winemakers said they reserved the right to veto, by the way, in case it's really bad. 
But the question is for us, are we going to put ourselves in new spaces? Are we going to allow ourselves to be out of the box again? Are you going to start to change your systems, change your patterns, find your place itself in new places, take your coworkers out to have a, have a staff meeting at Highlands Church? Start to adjust your rhythms and place yourself in a new space so that maybe instead of just having the, the eyes of one person open, the whole community's eyes can be opened. And then you'll start to look at a dangling little bit of grapes hanging on the vine and say, wow, how could that be used for God's kingdom? How can we transform that into proclaiming the gospel of who Jesus is? That there's no limits and no bounds to what Jesus can do. And so hopefully this is a conversation that, 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 that is a catalyst and that starts to in, invigorate a spicy conversation about what it means to be the gospel and what it means to be the church in our neighborhoods and in our workplaces and in our city. I love one of the radical ministries that we do at Highlands is Girl Talk. Do you know about that, that ministry? Did you know that uh, this week Katie ran out of pizza at Girl Talk? She has it at the high school. There's about 60 girls that came to Girl Talk. She says, I'm a pastor. I, I, I'm a pastor at the church. I love Jesus. And that's it. And she says, now let's talk for the next four months. Do you know that um, they ran out of pizza? You guys, by the way, pay for the pizza. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> you do. Uh, and they love it, and they keep telling their friends about it. And sh did you know that the, the, the girls who are serving downstairs right now for the children's ministry, most of those girls came out of the Girl Talk thing? Now they're, now they're teaching in our children's ministry. As you know that Katie's been doing this for like eight years, and some of those girls have grown up, and they've, they've come, some of them come to the counseling center that we offer free counseling. And, and they're starting to realize that we are there for them and we're going to connect with them and we're going to be there for them. See, this isn't actually that unique to what Highlands has always been doing. We just had a person join the service last service, join the church last service. And you know what she said? She said, the reason I came here is because you have a grief group. And I came to that grief group and I just felt loved and I just knew this was my church home and I've been changed. And so she gave a, a rededication of her life to Christ and she professed her faith before everyone. And she said, I'm going to be here until the cows come home. I don't think she said that, but I, I'm just like pretty much paraphrasing. Let's begin this conversation. Let's see where God will lead it. And let's pray that, that God will provide mercy, right? That same thing that that blind beggar is yell, yelling out to Jesus for, Lord, show mercy on me. Lord, if this is the stupidest idea in the world, show mercy on us but also be bold enough to stand before God and say, maybe this is our opportunity to turn a whole industry upside down. Maybe this is our opportunity to turn all industries upside down. Maybe this is an opportunity to change the world in a way that we never thought was possible and that we're just gonna do it one conversation at a time. And before we know it, our community is gonna start to look the way that God intended it to. That we wouldn't pick over the fields twice. That we would always look out for those who are broken and hurting and feel unseen and we would reach out to them and we would draw them closer. Amen? Let's pray. Remain seated. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we pray for all of the people who are unseen. We pray for those people who uh, feel unwanted, unloved, unappreciated. 
We pray for those people who uh, don't have the resources to meet the needs of their families or even their own medical needs or whatever those would be. And Lord, we pray that, um, that there would be a realigning of the heart of this community to connect with those who are unseen in every way, those struggling with illness, those who are in conflict with their loved ones, those people who, who are in grief, those students who feel like nobody sees them, those people struggling with addictions who feel that the world is just not aligned to, to adjust, to accommodate who they are. And Lord, each one of us know that we have a miracle that we need to ask you for. We have an area of brokenness that we need to turn to you for. And we ask you, Lord, in this time for that big miracle that you would free us from that, that you would help us to live free. And so God, each one of us in this time, pray, Lord, that we would just lift up that thing, that you would heal us, that you would unite our hearts with your heart, that we wouldn't see uh, leftovers or even people as leftovers, but we would see a way in which you take everything, every person, and you use it for your glory. Every last morsel, every grape, every, every inch of this world, Lord, you can reclaim. So we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Lord, have mercy on us. And all God's people said, amen. Please.